My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so uh, glad that you are here today. Welcome to Providence. If you're here for the first time, uh, we've been walking through some verses in Philippians that we'll get to um, as, as I uh, share with you this morning. When I was uh, growing up in my grandpa's office, there were three pictures that were on the wall, at least that, that I remember. My grandfather's office uh, was in Donaldson, and my dad worked with him, so I was there all the time. In fact, probably a lot of you have been to my grandpa's office because it is now the Nectar Urban Cantina. Uh, but it wasn't when I was a kid. It was, it was his... <laughs> have y'all been to the Nectar Urban Cantina? Like, y'all are like, can we tell him he's been to, we've been to a cantina? Uh, anyway, uh, so my grandpa was a real old school kind of guy. Uh, he wore a suit every day. Uh, in fact, as a kid, I thought the only time that he didn't wear a suit was when he was mowing the lawn. He would wear these blue coveralls until one day as a kid, I, I saw that he was wearing the suit under the coveralls while he mowed the grass. I was like, well played, Grandpa. So he was an old school guy. He was from the greatest generation. And uh, like I said, at his office, he had these three pictures that I'll never forget. They, they were there the whole time hanging over a table in the corner of his room. And the first picture was of a B-29 bomber. Because a month or so after Pearl Harbor, my grandpa, at the age of 20, enlisted uh, in the Army and became a flight engineer on B-29 bombers uh, during World War II. He never told me one thing about that, um, but here was this black and white photo of a B-29, you know, in the clouds. The second picture was of three guys in suits seated around a table. What I remember as a kid is that the table had an ashtray on it with like smoking cigarettes. And I was like, these guys are amazing, you know, just taking a picture of that. Uh, they were shake- it was a staged picture. They were shaking hands and signing this document. It was my grandpa and his two partners in 1959 as they were starting their business together. And he had that picture up on the wall. And then the third picture uh, was of me and my brother in overalls uh, with an Olin Mills background. And I have no idea if he ever even thought about putting those up there or why he put those up there. But I saw them over and over, so much so that I can just recite to you, right, what exactly was on my grandfather's wall. And to me, they sort of speak to this, um, I don't know, this is what they spoke to me. Number one, I've been through some hard things in my life, and I made it through the other side. I have a picture of a plane to prove it. Number two, I've started some new adventures. There have been great gains and great losses. I never even met those two other dudes in the picture. They were long gone by the time I got there. And number three, I have a legacy, two grandsons in overalls. And again, I never talked to him about those pictures, but I imagine him seeing them every day that it could have been a way of him setting his mind, right? Every day, seeing those pictures and remembering what he's been through, what he's, what he's accomplished, and what his hopes still are. Every day, seeing those pictures on the wall, And probably uh, many of us don't even have a physical office that we go to, but I believe that everybody has a few pictures that are hanging on their office wall, a few things that are in your mind every day that you set your mind to every day that you see, things that have to do with where you've been and where you're going. For you, it may be a, a pink ribbon representing breast cancer, or maybe an American flag that was over your dad's casket, or maybe a piece of preschool art that somebody you love made who you believe can change the world. But we have these things that we see, these things that we believe in, that we set our minds to uh, over and over and over on our office wall. And this is just the way I think, but I was reading Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippians, and I saw this verse, which sounded like Paul may have been showing us what was on his office wall. It's in Philippians chapter 3. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's about to tell you, here's what I've done. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's his people. That's his, that's his, that's his pedigree. He goes on to, to say uh, in the next verse, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Now, I know that stuff doesn't mean a whole lot to us, maybe, but what Paul's saying is, is these are my accomplishments, this is my success, these are my diplomas, these are my scars, this is what I've been through, this is who I am. And then right after that, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's saying all that stuff, the stuff that I would put up on the wall, as good as it is, I now compared to Christ, consider it a loss, which doesn't think I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily saying all that stuff isn't worth anything, even though he says uh, it's garbage to me compared to Christ. So he's not, I don't think he's saying it's garbage. He's saying I consider it that compared to Jesus. He's not saying those things are less. What he's doing is magnifying Jesus. He's trying for, you, for us to get to see how much Christ has meant to his life. He says, whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, now all I want to know is Christ. I want to know Christ. If you have your Bible and are reading along, I would underline those five words. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ in my mind. I want to know Christ in my heart. The reason that I'm looking at this verse in Philippians 3 when we've spent the last few weeks studying a verse that's late in Philippians 4 is this. When I read it this week, the, the verse that we're basing our series on, Think on These Things, I noticed that it starts with the word, finally. So if you're reading a verse that starts with the word, finally, you would want to kind of know what comes before. And so when you look just before what Paul says when he says, finally, you find the word, therefore. And in the Bible, when you see the word, therefore, you're supposed to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And it always points us to something that comes before. And so you go before the therefore, and you find these words, and then. And so you know that you have to look before that. And when you go back before and then, you read, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Paul said, I've done all these great things. That was his best brag session that you got there. He's like, look at the things on my wall. But he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know his power and I want to know the participation in his sufferings. He is showing us what it means to fully know Christ. It's about the power and the participation. And so we need to know that if we want Christ's power, if we want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, we will also have to participate in his sufferings. We'll have to go to low places. We'll have to come alongside the suffering. But the other cool thing about that is if you're participating right now in suffering, that means you also have access to the power. The power and the participation is what it means to know Christ. Then Paul says, verse 12, it may be the most important that you'll hear today. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. This is a place for you to exhale, right? Because when we hear Paul talking and bragging, a lot of us may think, I don't know a whole lot about that. You know, <laughs> I'm not there yet. Paul's saying, I have not already, already obtained all this or arrived at my goal, but, uh, to continue verse 12, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. So if you were here today and you, and you would say, I'm not there yet, I would say, you're not there yet? Join the club. Okay. And then press on. So you're saying, I'm not there yet? Okay, join the club and then press on. This is, this is not a place for us to give up. This is not a place for us to throw in the towel. 
If you're like, I'm not there yet, it's not a place for you to feel shame or to, to have a pity party. Party. It's actually the time for the people of God. I think right now is time for the people of God to be strong, to press on. We talk about our weakness. Like You're like, Jay, if you talk about your weakness all the time, I do. I told you that before I come preach every morning, every service, I pray a prayer and say, God, I pray that your strength would be made perfect in my weakness. But what that's about is pressing on. And so it's time for us to take hold of the promises that God has given us to say we're not there yet, but we are pressing on. The next verse, he says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. I'll pause here and say this series, what we've been looking at in Philippians chapter 3 and chapter 4, it is hard. And it is for those who are wanting to, go, to grow in their faith with Christ, to be more mature. If you're here this morning, you're like, I do want to go deeper. I do want to grow. I do want to become more mature then this is the, this is the place uh, to pay attention and to hold on. He says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. What view? That everything we've done is considered lost compared to Christ because we want to know Christ, the power and the participation, but we're not already there, and so we press on. It's here that Paul then makes an interesting turn and begins talking about sort of what's going on around them. And he says, for as I've ta- often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you ever feel like there are people around you who are living as enemies of the cross of Christ? Or that you're seeing things in the world that don't seem to look like what we're talking about we have set our minds to? Well, here Paul gives us a clue about how we should think about those things and about those people. It doesn't say that we're to critique them or to condemn them or to bully them into our way of thinking. When we think of those who are enemies, we should weep. So Paul is writing this letter, and tears are coming from his eyes. For as I've told you before, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. This is how he describes them. He says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Listen, their mind is set on earthly things. What we've been talking about this month is how our minds could be set on things that are above, on the things of Christ. And here it says there is a, a, a precedent for those setting their minds lower. I don't think Paul here is just wanting us to point fingers at those who may not be a part of this gathering. I think he's saying how easy it is for us, for our stomachs to become our God, and for us to glory in our shame. That's what happens when our minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our actual place that we belong is in heaven. You can hear in that verse us just being called up, right? Called up to a higher place. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you were reading uh, Philippians chapter 3, you you haven't been. I've just been giving you like bits and pieces. But if you're reading it through and you got to this place, you would feel the need for a great therefore. (laughs) What I'm saying is, he said, I want to know Christ, but I'm not there yet. And there's people that live as enemies of the cross, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so what we need is a therefore, and it comes right in the first verse of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love, you whom I long for, my joy my crown, stand firm. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Here's what I want you to see. It's easy to set our minds on earthly things. It is. But our citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, stand firm. 
we are actually not supposed to be swayed by every wind. We are not supposed to be knocked over by every wave. You're actually not supposed to be affected by every social media post that you read. You're not supposed to be knocked down by every news report that comes across your phone. Why? Our citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, stand firm. So if you were to read on in chapter 4, we can't go over it all, but there are these verses. Right after we're told to stand firm, we're told of a situation where there are a couple of people who are disagreeing within the church, and Paul says that you can actually be of the same mind in the Lord, that you don't have to agree on everything that's going on, but you can be of the same mind in the Lord. Then there's a call to, listen to this, gentleness. Then we're told to rejoice, and again I say rejoice, and then we get this word. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You see, we've been looking at this and looking at this verse, and it's hard. How are we going to set our minds? But you have to understand, this verse doesn't mean anything if we don't have the finally and go back to the therefore and then to the and then and realize that it all starts with Paul saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, his power and his participation in his sufferings. But, but I'm not there yet, but I'll press on. And everybody out there seems to be uh, of a different mind. But I'm a citizen of heaven, so I'll stand firm and seek to be of one mind and in unity with my brothers and sisters and be gentle and rejoice. And now I'll think on what is true. And I'll think on what is noble. And I'll think on what is right. Pastor Regina walked us through those last week. And this week, I just want to quickly hit on a few more. The next word we get is pure, that we're supposed to think on what is pure. I'm going to give you a few questions that to me are kind of ways, uh, they're kind of a way to set your mind or set your heart. So I'll give you the word and then some questions that could be prompts for you, like in your actual real life, to try to get your mind back to the things that God is wanting us to think on. So when we see think on what is pure, the question we we ask is, are my motives pure? So before you have that uh, conversation with your coworker, before you instruct your child, before you send that social media post, ask yourself, Are my motives pure? What are my motives in this? And it's just a way of kind of resetting our minds and getting our minds set on Christ. The next uh, one, it says to think on what is lovely. When I think of the word lovely, I think of one thing. I think of Rachel Shepard Armstrong, this lady I married. That's just what comes to mind when I think of lovely. But this is not just talking about uh, physical beauty or what we might think on on Valentine's Day. It's saying that there's this whole uh, realm of loveliness before God. So like my daughters to me are lovely when they stand up for what they believe in or when they serve another person or when they work hard, it's lovely. Uh, The church is lovely to me. Uh, There are times when I see the church at work uh, and it's lovely. I met with one of our small groups, a group of ladies that meet here um, on Tuesdays uh, and they study the Bible and they asked me to come and I I shared with them and talked to them. And what I noticed as they all came in, they were putting down these big bags of, of items and finally as the room filled up, I said, what's going on here? And they are in ministry with a group of ladies that are in Nashville who are homeless and displaced. And so they were gathering things and went, spending an hour with them with the Bibles open and seeing that stuff come in, it was lovely, right? It was a lovely thing to see. And so a question here for us, I think, is, is this lovely in the sight of God. 
I can think of some things that happened yesterday in my life that if I had asked myself that question, I might have had a little bit different action, right? Is this lovely in the sight of God? And then another one is to think on what is admirable. And a good question, I think, for this is, would I be admired for this? To ask yourself the question when you're faced with something, would I be admired for this? Is this something that's going to go down for me in my history books that I will be admired for? And we set our minds. The way that you're looking at me, I want to remind you that this stuff is hard, that these are verses for those who want to be more mature in the faith. We're talking about taking every thought captive. There's going to be points in this where you're going to have to press on times when you are going to have to stand firm. Uh, You can tell I've been thinking about my grandpa this week. Uh, He passed away 10 years ago, but was a big part of my life. And as I was preparing for this sermon and thinking about those pictures on the wall, I I did something that I haven't done before. Um, I Googled his name. He was a businessman here in Nashville, and I just kind of wondered what what might come up. And I found um, uh, some things that I knew about, but not all that much about. I found some clippings from the Tennessean. I actually have a picture. This one's from around 1980. It's a picture of my grandpa. And in the rocking chair is my aunt, Patricia. And uh, Patricia was born in the late 1940s. She was uh, with, with a person that had many disabilities. She was blind and deaf and also had some mental disabilities. She was never able to communicate. And so my grandfather and my grandmother uh, raising her, it was very difficult. And they actually came to a, a time where they were they were unable to even care for her themselves. And so my grandfather, along with some other people in Nashville, founded a thing called Mercy Homes, uh, which now uh, has served hundreds and hundreds of families across the years. It's in Antioch now. And some people might, might have thought, what, what worth is Patricia's life, you know? And what can come out of that? And now hundreds and hundreds of families because of one little girl. This, she's 31 years old in this picture. But one little girl... And one man who would get up every morning, I'm not sure why he did this, but he would read the Bible sitting on his bathroom floor, set his mind on Christ. He's just a small business owner in in Nashville. And ask himself, is this something I will be admired for some years from now? The reason I'm sharing about him again is because some of you are in the midst of a great battle right now. You are in that struggle where you are wondering, am I ever going to make it out the other side? And what I want to tell you is that as we seek to know Christ and set our minds, that we have the opportunity that this moment in your life, this crossroads that you're at, could be something one day that is hanging on the wall where you say, I made it through the other side. Some of you are in a place where you are dreaming about founding something or starting something or doing something, a new adventure, and you know there's going to be great gain, and you know there's going to be great loss. This could be a moment right now. The the precipice that you're in right now could end up being a picture on your wall that one day you said, I went for it. What I'm saying is, we don't often think about it because we're in it, but what I'm saying is where we're at right now could be something that someday your grandson is telling people about because you set your mind on Christ rather than letting your stomach be your God. And so, people of God, we press on and we stand firm. Those things are great, the things on our wall, but what I'm telling you, what Paul's saying is there is something up above that, and that thing is to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and 
the participation in his sufferings. So if you're suffering right now, you can join with Jesus and have access to power. And if you're praying for power, you need to know that that is going to mean that you're also going to have to walk into great suffering. That's just the deal. Mature people need to know that. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your promise, and we thank you that you've called us into power. We thank you for um, this moment and what it might mean in someone's life that we could claim that you're going to work in this moment so that we can come out on the other side and have a legacy with you. In Jesus' name, amen.